In times of trouble, <laughs> we lean on those we love. Sorry, Sorry Grandma. Uh, so, if nothing else, potentially violent. He's such a narcissist. Fan freaking tastic. Beautiful, beautiful singer. Hey, we're not weak. We are on fleek, and it is birth year. That's right. We've got four people working on this podcast. For each of us, we were born in a different year. We took a different film from each of those years to represent our four films that we're going to be discussing today. And in the ranks, we got 1980, because one of us is old. Uh, We've got 1983, 1984, and 1991, because one of us is young. So, (laughs) Yes, very young. There we go. Um, so, So, uh some some good years and some not as good years and there were some disagreements even how could you not have chosen this film from mm-hmm. this year and i can't believe you did that to me richard right. so um <laughs> without I mean, further ado have we really started yet i mean we've i'm already getting shot at well <laughs> well oh, here we go and, then. and and let's be real i wanted to put a different film in but it was a film we'd already done, and so I couldn't. Okay, well, let's let's talk about that right now. So, uh, 19, 1980, um, I chose Coal Miner's Daughter, the biopic for Loretta Lynn. Mm-hmm. And 1983, Richard chose Never Let, Let's be clear. Richard would have chose, with all of his heart, <laughs> Return of the Jedi. I would have not have said anything. I really And have. would have rejoiced in putting it as the fleekest. <laughs> Against any comers, but because we'd already done it, I felt like I couldn't. And then I looked at the rest of 1983, and boy howdy, it was not a good year. War games. (laughs) You know, some people talk about war games like it's the best thing since sliced bread or something. It's fantastic. eh. And it's iconic. So It's quoted in Marvel films. Whoop. (laughs) freaking do hey that is a huge universe there you can't discount hey, it um do we really want to go into okay reindeer games gets put into okay uh, marvel right. films so 1983 yeah yeah walk away from never, that one never say never again james yes. bond and we're so shocked that richard chose hey, a james bond film you know in times of trouble <laughs> we lean on those we love 1984 and- <laughs> um it was romancing the stone one of our producers chose Romancing the Stone. And 1991, one of our producers chose What About Bob? Four very different films, which very. is fun, which is fun um, because usually there's some kind of theme tying these movies together. Usually there is more in common than these four. So it should make for some interesting, or maybe not, <laughs> dialogue. You be the judge, I predict audience. interesting. Okay. Uh, so, if nothing else, potentially violent. Um, yes. Well, I'll just keep my, my spear over here. So, uh, weak. Weak. What do you think? What's weak? My weak is what about Bob? That is at the bottom of the heap for moi. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's going to make me laugh. And I have plenty to say about this, trust me. But my week is also what about Bob? Mmm. 
simpatico. Surprise. You thought I was going to say never say remember never again. I really and I'm did. really going to talk about it. Trust me. I will. But I'm going to say that what about, we my, both got, what about Bob I'm is sure we both have number threes that we really want to talk about because I got a number three that I really want to talk about. So okay. We'll get there. Okay. Um, so what about Bob? Richard Dreyfus what about Bob? is fantastic in this film. I actually think he is the unsung comedic gift of this movie. I found Bill Murray. Bill Murray is a brilliant comedian. Yeah, please don't talk about him um, bad. And I will I not him. badmouth him I in this. Him. However, I will say that the person that made me laugh most in this film was Richard Dreyfus, Because he starts out being very... I mean, let's all be clear. He's not your favorite person in the world. He's kind of uh, stuck up and fuddy-duddy. Fuddy-duddy. But he's de- narcissist. Yeah. And so he goes from taking very, you know, rational steps to rather quickly going down the rabbit hill at a at a particular turning point and becoming truly insane in his ways of attempting to deal with Bob. But I thought his his performance was brilliant and fun. I will tell you my reason for weaking this one is kind of a little bit of personal bias. I work in the mental health profession. Uh, That's my day job. And as I sat there and watched Bob's behavior, I felt anxious in a strange way that I didn't when I watched this as a child. Because when I watched it as a kid, I just thought it was silly fun. But as I watched it as an adult, I was like, this guy is crossing boundaries in like frightening ways. That would be scary if this was real life. And they could have totally reframed this as a, a horror film. Oh, yeah. Very easily. Uh, it's very just a few little tweaks. And this could have gone like thriller or uh, category. Dark comedy even. Mm-hmm. And, and so like when Richard Dreyfus gets mad at him, I'm like, yeah. And when Richard Dreyfus takes him to a mental facility, I'm like, yeah, you should have done that. A while ago. <laughs> but the thing about it is, is his character, he's such a narcissist and he's so like, oh, mm-hmm. I can do this. I can fix this. Right. Guy. Right. I can I can give him this 20 minute little spiel and that can get him out of here because I'm that awesome. And so it's kind of a fun play on vanity. It's not in any way connected to reality because he would lose his license and all kinds of dreadful things would have happened. Yeah, as, as much as right, as much as Bill Murray does his character cross a line, um, basically stalking his therapist. As a therapist, uh, Richard Dreyfuss's character definitely toes the line, as as a in therapy and like what what are you doing there? What is your uh, right. what's your angle and how are you going about this treating this patient? So I found them both almost equally guilty, mm-hmm. just two sides of the same coin is obviously there were some boundaries crossed from Bill Murray. Right. But Richard Dreyfus, hello, strapped some dynamite on his chest. So um yeah, he crossed some boundaries too. <laughs> and that was that was my thing. And really, these films, they were fun. I could have put Never Say Never Again in the bottom in the week, but I almost thought that would felt like it would be cliche. Uh, to me, that's why the to me this was the the week point it just toes the line the the therapy and the little because it's a solid film of these films it's the one i quote the most Mm -hmm. 
I can I could probably tell you the entire movie. Right. I love this film. This was my grandmother's favorite movie. I've watched and she has it good a taste. lot. It's good. And uh, so I was very hesitant to put it at the end. If grandma, if you're out there, sorry, sorry grandma. It had a lot of nostalgia attached to it for me, but when I kind of take those blinders off, the nostalgia, I'm not sure it lives up to all of the the heartwarming nostalgia that I have placed on it. So I want to talk about Never Say Never Again, because it really should be probably at the bottom. If only for the scene where, where James Bond jumps the horse into the river. Oh, and that, that is not the scene I predicted you having a problem with. Well, I thought you were going to say the scene where he throws his urine in the guy's face. Oh, yeah. No, actually, I loved that scene. I thought that scene was hilarious. I loved that scene. The fight I scene loved that whole in, fight. The, in the spa. I thought that was, a f- it was really on point. fun. It was on point. Here's why it's not at the bottom. But I swear, I almost put it at the bottom because of that horse jump. Like that looked really stupid, guys. Like really stupid. That was like Mac and me jumping. The guy, the kid, the poor kid in the wheelchair, jumping or falling down that into that river. You guys know what I'm talking about. If you see Mac and me, I thought you were Um, objecting to the horse jump because you felt bad for the horse. No, all I did, but the horse lived. He was fine. I'm talking about what it actually looked like. That was ridiculous. So anyway, directed by Irving Kirshner, who actually did The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, dun, dun, This dun, dun. was his follow-up to that. Dun, 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 dun. I did love that fight scene in the spa. Yes. And I said, there was interesting stuff all up in Never Say Never Again. This was like Connery Light. I don't feel like he was phoning it in. I feel like whoever wrote this thing was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do you a favor, Connery. We're going to put all these these things in here. There's going to be all this red red tape in there with your character so you don't have to worry about all these things. It kind of felt like that. He was still dry funny and I could I could never feel or get a feel for if they were really lazy in the writing or if it was really brilliant. I I couldn't pinpoint it. I'm going to lean towards brilliant. Well, of course you will. Um, the reason I say that is is because this is the first 007 movie that has acknowledged that James Bond aged. Hmm. You think about that. It's been more than 20 years since he played the since he started playing the role. Roger Moore is older than Connery and they've never mentioned the fact that the guy is aging ever. Hmm. And so for them to kind of playfully acknowledge that hey, James Bond is getting older and maybe he's not doing everything that he used to do and have a little bit of fun with that. And Connery is game and Connery's willing to poke fun at himself. But at the same time, he totally the, does. The man looks fan freaking tastic for somebody in their 50s. If I look that good in my 50s, oh. You please. make it 50s sound like it's so old. It's, it's not. not old, but when you start out playing a character and you're about 30, you get to playing that character again 20 some odd years later and you're still doing quite well. You know, I. I liked him in this movie. I like that he poked fun at himself. I like that it's not a serious film. It's it very light. It's very breezy. It's silly. And it's a retread. It's a remake of Thunderball. Thunderball. Um, Thunderball. But it is, I mean, you but, have to go with me on this a little bit. Kind of a caricature. Oh, yeah. I did, however, derive more pleasure watching this one than watching From Russia With Love, which, if you listen to season two, Richard mm. made me watch 
when we did our James Bond stuff <laughs> for Connery. And I'm like, I didn't get, I didn't get the Connery like, Which goodness. Just goes to show that you prefer silly, fun Connery over grim, serious Connery. I don't know if that's true either. I just didn't, I didn't love that film, and I didn't, I didn't love. It didn't hook me from the very beginning. I knew I wasn't going to like it, and I didn't. Because this was James Bond, I didn't put it at the bottom. I had to put What About Bob at the bottom, even though it probably should have been at the bottom because of the the horse jump. All right, let's leave. <laughs> Any other points about What About Bob before we move to, week, uh, to Fleek? Nah, I'm good. Okay. All right. So you want to say your Fleek? My Fleek is romancing the stone. All right. Well, my fleek is Coal Miner's Daughter. That's my number three, by the way. I, f- I figured you were trying to put some jabs in there, and I have no idea. It's w- not a jab. It's, what? It's... Why any any kindling on that fire you could possibly grasp because... I got a big log to throw on it. Okay, go ahead. Tell me what it is. Okay. I nearly turned this movie off. I nearly completely turned it off and walked away and said, I ain't watching it. Why? Because there's a rape. Oh. And I got really angry and really disturbed and wanted to reach through the screen and grab Tommy Lee Jones and kill him. And that feeling stayed with me through the entire course of the film. And they show moments where his character is like, oh, look, I'm doing a good thing. I'm like, I want to shoot you and drag your body through the streets uh, you deplorable sack of a man. So yeah, that's why it's number three. <laughs> I had I could it had not... nothing to do with the filmmaking though. As a film, so this is this so, is a biopic. It's a biopic, and so I think that was that's what let me not stop it because it's not a work of fiction, and that actually happened. And so I kind of said, okay, this is what this woman had to deal with. Let's push forward and let's go through it. And it's it's not a it's actually a really good movie in the sense that I think it tells a very good story. But that scene and that moment for me was so disturbing and upsetting, and it lingered with me. I I I, I never lost that feeling of disturbed and unsettled. I I couldn't shake it. And so it kind of haunted the rest of the picture for me. All right. Well, per- personally, we know Rich is a good guy. And if he sees violence against women and children, it does not sit well with him. And for if, the record, for that, guy, guys like ripping their each other's hearts out and like stabbing fine. people and, yeah. and, you know, work blood, all that stuff he's good with. But um, this particular thing is, is making it go to number three. Because here's it was, why I say it's on fleek. Hang on. It was both violence against a woman and a child at the same time. That is true. She's 14 years old. It's disgusting. And it speaks to the culture of the time. It's a product of the times. I get all that. Um, And I also get that, you know, the, the parents, a failure to communicate on all kinds of things are going on there. I, and I'm not saying that the movie is evil or bad or anything. I'm just saying that, from a personal point of view, it was very difficult for me to shake that and initial. A, and so you had to make it lower. I, I, I'll give it to you. I understand. But here's why it's my own fleek. It's a career defining role for Sissy Spacek. Oh, yeah. 
She does her own singing. She's amazing as Loretta Lynn. Yes. She inhabits her. I mean, I, I've seen Loretta Lynn perform before. There are certain things that Sissy Spacek does that I think she does. I'm not going to say better than Loretta Lynn, but just more in my mind, uh, I make more of a connection to Loretta Lynn through Sissy Spacek than Loretta Lynn herself. Right. Uh, same thing for Beverly D'Angelo, who plays Patsy Cline. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about uh, her, and she sings. She's beautiful singer, yes. beautiful, beautiful singer. And so both of them, amazing. And Tommy Lee Jones, as abhorrent as his character's actions are, his acting in that film, it reminds me again and again, every time I see this film, how good he is. Yes. And how um, sad I am, kind of, as he's gotten older, the the quality of his roles that he's given mm-hmm. are definitely fallen off the grid. Right. He's so good. Challenge the man. Oh, but I just remembered him in Captain America. I loved him in Captain America. <laughs> um, he's he's so good. Yeah, I got and a big heart by by Tommy Lee Jones on my nose for sure. And and as abhorrent as that in that early on scene was, he's so good in this part that as much as you hate him, like I had to, I had to at least say, okay, well, yeah, he did these things for her. He pushed her. He supported her in these ways and then you do a little research and you find out that this movie is actually kinder to her husband than he deserves he was actually even worse than what he's portrayed on in film because i did after that initial scene i was like i gotta i gotta find out more about this whole situation they stayed together until he passed so i mean there was Mm -hmm. something about him that she was able to find that redeemed the relationship for her, but and they had um, children, they and had they had lots. six kids. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, uh, there was definitely uh, there's something there for sure. Um, but yeah, it's a it, it, the music is really well done. Sissy Spacek is amazing. Um, the cast all around is is phenomenal. It has a very natural look to it. And natural feel, you feel yeah. like you're in it. Yes, it ha- it carries a ton of weight. Mm-hmm. Like you just can feel the iconography, just right. you know, just dripping from uh, the film. It, Those early coal miner scenes. Yeah, it's a it's a pleasure, yeah. even though there are things to, that are hard to watch within it. It's a pleasure yeah. in the film make from the filmmaking sense. It's very well done. Yes, it's it, very well done. World world building, world, right. you know, quote unquote world building that, you know, you get a sense of where she is from. Absolutely. And how that played a part in her music and how she wrote her music. 100% you get that. And and the the problems she has with her marriage, how that seeped into yeah. her, her music writing. And I mean, you're, cert- you're certainly getting that. And it's a delight to see a female character who deals with this stuff in a way and it's real, you know, she doesn't get frantic. She doesn't cry and just do nothing. She's assertive. She is, um, very, you know, no, sir, you get out of that car with that woman. Oh, you're going to hit me. Well, I'm going to hit you twice as hard, (laughs) you know, that kind of a thing. And, and, uh, I found that pushing back to be indicative of growth. And and that was and that was good to see and to know that that was real because I again did my homework uh, and she said every time he hit me I hit him twice 
Like I gave him back better than I got. And I was like, good for you. You know, fight for yourself because apparently that's what you had to do. Bless your heart. Yes, great film. Just like I said, tainted for me in the beginning and difficult to kind of let go of that initial thing. Your personal feelings. I understand. So why is Romancing the Stone so good? I think because it was so pleasant. It's breezy. It's uncomplicated. You have the the chemistry between Douglas and Turner and DeVito, just those three, yeah. and the, the fun way that they bounce off of each other. And they clearly liked working with each other because they did a sequel to this movie, and then they went off and did another movie, the three of them. So there was obviously some pleasure in working together, and I think that goes that shines through. It's just fun. It's silly. I will acknowledge that sometimes it stops... It, it ventures too far into disturbing or inappropriate for what it should be. It feels like it should be like a, a light PG-13. And sometimes it's like, whoa, guys, dial that back a couple notches. But all in all, it's just fun. It's fun to watch. I I really like Michael Douglas in that part. Um, it's yeah. a It's kind of a... A role that we didn't see him in very much. It's like roguish. Roguish, charming. Han Solo. Con, like. Yeah, it's a very Han Solo-esque uh, part. And it's fun to see him cut loose in that way. Um, and, you know, when they're out in the jungle and they're burning weed and, and getting <laughs> high together. And, you know, the, the humor of that. And then, you know, DeVito and his skeezy character just kind of slipping in and out it's just a lot of fun and i think after needing therapy after watching coal miner's daughter and the anxiety that what about bob brought me it was kind of nice (laughs) to um to see something that was so detached from reality uh and you could say never say never again would also fit that bill but Uh, it's a did i mention the horse jump from the wall right it didn't jump a shark, but it jumped a horse. Yeah, it uh, it just it's it's a pleasant, fun film. It, it is. That's my number two. Yeah, I like I like *Romancing the Stone*. Yeah, I like I liked all of these films. Actually. I did too. And that's why it was hard to hard to you know pick one for the week. But on fleek, definitely *Coal Miner's Daughter*. There was no question for me. I've seen that movie so many times since I've since I was a kid, and just just in terms of you know, acting and just, there's no way to top it. And, and I fully acknowledge my bias in my ranking, but I still stand by my ranking. Just because if you, if you can watch it and you can get past that moment, then no doubt. But, and, and to be clear, quality wise in terms of just the nature of it. Yeah. It's, it's the best movie there. Um, objectively, but subjectively, and where I put it in my rankings, I have to do it lower just because that. Oy. Fair enough. So, birth years in 80 and 83, 84, 91. We got you covered. We got your light. You escapism. You go romancing the stone. Uh, biopic. Uh, fantastic acting. Tommy Lee Jones, Beverly D'Angelo, Sissy Spacek, Coal Miner's Daughter. What about Bob? You want a movie that you can quote forever and ever and be slightly disturbed 
and maybe see yourself a little bit in somewhere in there. Maybe. What about Bob? And uh, I was about to say, what was the other one? Never Say Never Again, which is almost my, my Sean week. Connery. Sean Connery, Bond. It's like Bond Light. L-I-T. Yeah, it's a so. vodka martini with a little bit of high C in there. <laughs> uh, it's, it's good, breezy fun. Or you could just go watch Return of the Jedi and kick all of these out of here. And just, hey, uh, I could argue with Star Wars. Throw that one in there. Hey, you open the can, sir. Mm. So, Star Wars. There you go. So, we should rank these guys, right? Oh, yeah, um, that's right. Out um, of 10 birthday candles. Yeah, that's a good one. Birthday candles. There I like go. it. I'm going to give it a 7. 7 out of 10. I'm also going to do 7. Maybe we, 6. We're just giving because overall the horse rankings. Jump. We're, we're, we're we're pretty simpatico i tell you um yeah i i think that these are all worthy watches um but there are some some tough points some low points some horse jumps true and plus i'm gonna be really discerning about what i'm giving a 10 to i'm just saying yeah but coal miner's art is fantastic but <laughs> and so is what about bob